it's a spring college soccer preview. Um, to be quite honest, I have a few questions when it comes to spring soccer um, and, and how it sort of uh, could impact the fall season. Um, and men's and women's spring seasons are both getting underway here. Uh, the men's actually here coming up this weekend and the women's in just about a month. So I figured I would bring in partner in crime from Equal Time Soccer, Matt Provratsky in. And we're going to talk with a couple local coaches about the spring season and sort of their approaches to it. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Congrats on the the transition and launch of Soda Soccer. Really, really excited for you all and excited to see how it helps expand soccer coverage. So this is great. Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate it. So let's bring in these coaches. Um, first, the head coach of the University of St. Thomas men's soccer team, fresh off their first season in Division One, John Lowry. John, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing well, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you both and uh, just excited for what we're going to get into. Absolutely. And Maya Hayes joining us from the University of Minnesota women's soccer team, assistant coach there. Maya, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Ready to have a, a good discussion this evening. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. So um, basically, this is going to be sort of, I guess, roundtable style. I'm going to ask some questions about the spring soccer season, kind of you guys approach it, maybe how how the pandemic and how last season sort of unique um, spring season sort of maybe changed the way you guys approach this spring soccer season but John we're going to start on the St. Thomas side your team won your final three games does that sort of finish and the confidence that comes with it sort of enhance the excitement level from the team and how ready they may be to take the pitch here in the spring yeah I, I think for sure you want momentum um so for us to finish the year the way we did with three in a row um I, I think it just speaks to the steady work we're trying to do um you know, usually it's it's kind of visible work in the fall. And I, I like that you're bringing to light the work that our kids are doing, our student athletes are doing in the spring and, and all year. Um, I think that'll be pretty enlightening to some people that kind of see what college student athletes do at the soccer level on both for both genders. But this is all new to us. You know, the Gophers have been around for a long time and, and we haven't. So this is, you know, from everything from it's a new schedule for everyone. It's a new... Um, competition it's new training periodization it's it's it is so you know the nice part is we don't really have a template we don't have a roadmap on what a spring looks like for st thomas soccer uh so we're making our own and so far it's been it's been it's been successful and and really well received our, our kids just love to train so um we've, we've been updated on all the division one compliance and we are uh, uh full go here for our non-traditional season uh, now, both the men's and the women's spring seasons are, are starting roughly around the same time, but with one outlier, and that's this coming weekend, John. You guys are playing two matches. Uh, is that down in Blaine, John? Is that correct? Yeah, I've never or heard of Up down in Blaine, in I should Blaine. say. <laughs> <laughs> up in Blaine, my bad. <laughs> down in Blaine. Um, well, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's going it, to, it sounds like they're doing some renovations uh, at Minnesota United right now, but I know the Dome's available. Uh, they've been really welcoming mm -hmm. to trying to put something together. So, talking to Manny and Amos and the coaching staff and Noel Quinn and everyone just trying to trying to get in there and play. And it, it turns out that Friday morning worked for our class schedules. It worked for their reserve team, MLS2. Um, so St. Cloud State is going to come to Blaine, however we get there. And, um, and we'll kick off our spring. It'll be our first competition within our 40-day spring segment, 45-day spring segment. So 
I was just going to say, one of, one of those matchups is pretty interesting. You guys are taking on Minnesota United 2, the new reserve team for the Loons. Um, how does how does that contact get made in terms of those sort of, you know, you're not playing another college team. You're playing, a, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, a third-tier, uh, you know, lower division soccer team. So how does that contact get made? Do you guys reach out to them? Do they reach out to you? Sort of how do you guys get together to arrange a match like this? A little bit of both. I, I think it's really commonplace in Division One men's soccer right now to play USL and MLS teams. And then – with the expansion of on the men's side, with the expansion of MLS two and and the, I don't know if it's just the growth of USL and it's and it's multiple levels of play, you know they're looking for games because they're in preseason. We're looking for games because we're in our non traditional season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's other things that make the games interesting because a lot of our kids want to be pros. Uh, so there's you know there's there's interest from Minnesota United to see what's on our team. Um, there's interest from our guys to see what it's like to be a, a player at Minnesota United. So I, I always welcome it. I think it's a it's a very good, friendly game. And and the last piece of it is, you know, playing pros in a in a friendly always goes much better just because they're professional and mature and they know they know how the game should go. So we take advantage of every chance we can get. Uh, where you know if if they'll open the doors, we're going to be there to to get better and and hopefully we can. Uh, give them what they're looking for as well on Friday. Nice. And, and Maya, I know, you know, the Gophers don't have games until, you know, into April. So you're, you're probably starting your, your expanded training hours. Now I know to try and detail the rules of the NCAA calendar of like how many hours of contact and practice you can have would be way above my uh, expertise, but I know you're able to get the full squad together. Now we've been seeing those posts on social media and then, you start away at Creighton on April 2nd. You have a few home games at ELR, which are free. So I'm sure fans will want to get out there and get outside for some outdoor soccer. And then you go back on the road to Kansas at the end of April. But, you know, you didn't have maybe the first D1 season ever level craziness that St. Thomas men's had. But you did have a pretty crazy year last year with Aaron coming in right before camp. You know, a pretty hectic fall. You had been hired sort of the year before that and been through the full COVID experience before that. And then this is really the first off season you all as a staff have with the team. Um, talk about what it means for you all to get a chance to just go through this full off season of you all had to sprint through that first fall under Aaron Chastain. But now the even the players, not just the coaches, the players get a chance to sort of settle in and regrow from a base level. Talk about sort of what that mentality is this spring. Yeah, I think the the one thing to note is it's not just our first spring as a staff and as a group, um, but it's also for a lot of these kids, it's their first spring ever. Um, Like our sophomores, for example, um, did not get a a training spring. Uh, They played their freshman year. Uh, Their spring was their competitive season. Um, And for our for our current juniors, um, they got half of the spring uh, for their freshman year and then COVID hit. So um, it's for everybody. It's a, it's a new, like, I think the only players on our roster right now that have even come close to, to what a spring normally would look like is our current seniors <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that, are, that are about to be fifth years. So, so yes, yeah, so I think for that, that brings both um, that brings growth. It also brings excitement. It also brings the competitive mentality uh, that, that you kind of referenced before. But um, I think overall for us, it's, it's, we were very clear at the end of our season of going through individual meetings with the group and um, making sure that each player knew kind of what they uh, excelled in, in the, in the fall um, and, and what their, maybe their areas of growth 
um, were going forward so that they could be really intentional with the spring training. Um, Cause for us, that's what it's about, right? Like you don't, it's not so much about um, building uh, team concepts, right? We really try to accomplish some more of those individual tactics that we actually have time to now work on um, and really give attention to um, and, and make sure we're creating that environment every day and creating that standard every day to make sure each player is, is getting better and, and achieving kind of the, the success that we need going forward into the fall. Yeah, and what are, what are Bye, some you mentioned? Oh, jump in, Jeremy. I'm sorry, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, no, no, by all means, go ahead. It's all you. I was, I was just going to ask, what are, you know, you mentioned it's not so much about building really intricate, you know, systems and tactics. A lot of it is individual growth and individual work. I know, you know, just there's a few players who are coming back from injury who maybe weren't active in the fall, but maybe they're here for the spring and it's a chance for them to sort of ramp in during their rehab and sort of return to action. You know, Josie Wood, who was, who was out as a, you know, younger forward or Alana Dressley, who uh, hardcore gopher fans, I'm sure are really excited to, to see when she's back to, you know, full tilt um, live game action. For some of those players, have you been able to see them back on the pitch now? I know on social media, we're starting to see them sometimes not even in a brace. And then it starts to get exciting of, Oh man, are they returning to action? So for those who maybe weren't able to finish out the year or who were injured last fall, is that a big sort of category of player of helping them return back to sort of um, game fit? I think that it actually, so to, to answer your question, neither one of them are contact uh, cleared yet. Um, so no, they're not in training, um, but I think they're each individually going through their own recovery process. And I think different from the fall when we're, we're constantly training and obviously they, are, are getting um, kind of a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with uh, our athletic trainer and our strength and conditioning coach currently. Um, and in the fall, when we're training, those those two people are usually traveling with us, right? And so it's a little bit more scattered and obviously more of a responsibility for them to maybe complete some of those workouts on their own and once they get into their routines and all that rehab. Um, so for them, I think it's exciting of like just genuinely being able to be with the group consistently, maybe not in with the group, but just at training and, and getting to kind of progress through their own um, recovery processes as, as they do and, and getting a little bit more attention than they were maybe getting in the fall, just based on the nature of the season. Uh, but yeah. Maya, you mentioned kind of the difference between quote unquote normal spring and what last year was, which was actually, you know, a, com a competitive season that in, in some way counted. Um, is, is that sort of the way last season was different? Does that sort of change the way that you and the staff, maybe even the players are approaching this spring? Are we going back to quote unquote normal spring or is there some sort of melding of the two maybe that's happening and maybe some adjustment in terms of just the way the spring is approached and looked at from a coaching and a player perspective now? Um, honestly, I think it's more so reverting back to normal than it would be trying to mm. meld the two. I think the piece of melding the two is the fact that we do get five game dates. Um, so that's kind of how that I think gets incorporated if we're comparing last spring to this spring. Um, so we'll obviously have our, our games and, and, and we'll get to play and you got to get to see some of the players kind of put to the test what they've been working on um, throughout the spring. But uh, for us specifically as a staff, um, it's, it's kind of quite the opposite. We're trying to keep in mind the fact that um, these, these student athletes are coming off of a basically a full calendar year of competing. Right. And especially the way with, with how our schedule operates, um, that's not exactly ideal all the time um, as far as obviously competing two games in a weekend 
all throughout the fall. And then they didn't really get an off season because they were competing last spring. So I think we would from in, if we're going from like a safety injury recovery process, I think um, it was more intentional on our part to kind of roll things back a little bit to be a little bit more, um, again, individually focused, ta- individually tactically focused, um, and and not to, you know, it, it's it's a chess game, right? Of, of not ramping up too quickly or doing too much, um, and but accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish, so that you're setting yourself up for success in the fall. John, in terms of like monitoring player progress and development, you know, I'm I'm thinking of guys like Wes Lawrence or Charlie Horton, a couple of the freshmen mm-hmm. who had really strong campaigns. What's a realistic expectation for them heading into their, I guess they're still in their freshman uh, class year, but sophomore mm-hmm. year uh, as, as players and as athletes. Um, it's this weird thing. And I think where, yes, they should be expected to take a step forward, but you also mm-hmm. might want to manage those expectations in a healthy way. How do you balance that? And is spring a time to begin to sort of assess that progress and development? Yeah, I think it is. And and when you look at it, I mean, you named a few, the, the spring tends to be a little bit more individually based than it is collective, you know, just because the results aren't right in front of your face that have to be met um, on a, on a weekly basis. But, you know, I, I think we look at it where the, the soccer centric part of their game, I, we, this is the time of year for us, to you know, and, and that's fun. You know, we can, our staff, myself, the players, um, we can look at little things on film. We can talk about them. We can fix them. So, that, so, so we're we're in that space. I think the other space that we really spend a lot of time in, and you talked about players getting older in your program, is where are they at within the culture of our program, and what's their role? Um, you know, what's their role with leadership? What's their role with team? Just everything. And and I think the spring is a good time to kind of let guys cut their teeth a little bit. The the seniors are gone. Um, so it's it's kind of like you know you come in the locker room in February and and it's it's just different because you got you got some really really important people that are out the back door and then it's just a time to kind of come together and 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 see the maturation of some of your younger players and then see what they're ready for and then use your use your experience to guide them towards you know wh- what's going to make them successful and when so for me it's it's I don't want to say team building because I think people might think that's like doing an obstacle course together but it's just like team that like we're just spending time together doing our work and it's it's invaluable right now mm-hmm. yeah and i know you know my it was funny what john just phrased you know in spring the seniors are gone but because of the funny covid eligibility mm-hmm. uh the seniors for the gophers aren't really gone you know the you you lost kenzie langdott because she had done her fifth year already and then um you know patricia ward is doing her fifth year at louisville but you're returning, you know, a handful of fifth-year players who have who are those players who have been here back during the traditional spring. And so I know, you know, John and you have both mentioned the spring is really so much more individual than than sort of team-based because it gives players a chance to grow in their role. But that also means players are really getting very different things out of that spring year. You know, these fifth-year players are not trying to grow their role. They may be trying to fine-tune their game, but they're also just trying to stay sharp and you know, get touches and, and maybe they build little pieces here and there, but there's tons of other players who are saying, you know, holy crap, the rotation was only 15 players wide in the fall. And now I need to try and crack into this thing, even though not many people left. So 
how do you how do you balance those dynamics of you know there's a whole group of players who maybe know what their role is and then there's a whole other group who are trying to maybe not take take a bigger role but just grow their opportunity in that rotation how do you balance that you know as a coaching staff honestly i don't i don't know that I don't know if that sits at the forefront of their minds so much, if I'm being honest, um, as far as from looking at it as a breaking into the rotation. And, and I think part of that is the way that the spring is set up. Mm -hmm. uh, it both from us not starting games, like you said earlier, until April. Um, mm -hmm. So truly being in a training phase right now. Um, right. So both cu that coupled with um, even when that comes, like it's not – you're not competing for playing time per se, right? Mm -hmm. um, like the whole point of that is to give the, the student athletes a chance to put their, their showcase their work, right? To, to mm -hmm. build their own confidence, to see what relationships come out of those scrimmages um, and, and who is playing well with who so that, yeah, we can relate to the ball. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't know how much it is at the forefront of their minds of like competing for playing time per se. Uh, right. I think, I think for those 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 more veteran players, um, their big thing for us right now, and, and they're aware of it as well, is is what legacy do they want to leave? Um, like I don't know that they think they look at it as like a not. I don't know that they necessarily look at it as like I've arrived right, and there's not much for me to fine tune. Uh, I think they more so look at it of like and what we're trying to make sure ensure that they they are looking at it as is is what legacy that do they want to leave on the program and and based on their current roles, uh, what younger players, as you mentioned earlier, what younger players can they maybe see see in their shoes in the future and who can they bring along with them um, and help develop them, right? And, and again, leaving their own legacy and their current teammates that will be here for another three, four years. Um, and so I, th I think that's been, as John was kind of referencing, that team building kind of aspect of it, culture piece, um, that is certainly where you see that come out um, in a, in a, in a in our group in the spring and kind of one of those things that we're trying to accomplish as a group. Cool. John, as, as players start to make their way, you know, through the program, like, like you said, um, and we mentioned sort of the, the unique factor that you guys had so many underclassmen that, that were, you know, got a lot of minutes last year and, and, and contributed at a high level. Um, at what point of the year do those sort of, I guess, incoming sophomores or incoming juniors um, start to, set themselves up as, as new leaders on the team, as those other sort of leaders, maybe, as you mentioned, are going out the back door. Is it, was it back in the winter? Is it now? Does it normally happen in the summer? Um, does it, does it vary sort of when, when do those guys really start to take those leadership roles? Yeah, I think, I think if it works best, it just happens organically and there's no, t like you, you can't really have a timeline on it. Um, yeah. Trust me, we we have some we have some really talented kids in our program, and there's days where I look at the stat and I'm just like, oh, I wish he was more mature, or I wish he was stronger, or I wish he was, like you know. And so, you know, part of the privilege we get to work with 18 or 22 year olds for the most part is is it, just watching them at a really critical part of their life kind of become uh, graduate into adulthood, you know. And and I think that's one of the I think that's one of the pieces of college soccer. Like, obviously, this is a soccer-centric podcast. It sh I mean, but but college soccer is different because, you know, we can talk about Timmy's right foot. and But we also, I mean, we have kids that are preparing for law school. We have kids that are doing internships. We have kids that are volunteering. We have kids that are like, you know, so we really try to use this time to really, like, 
evaluate, okay, what, what's the student athlete experience? Is it what we want to provide here? And then once that is, once we've filled that, okay, let's go be competitive, you know? So, and, and Maya's touched on it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's just about spinning all of those plates all the time. And the spring is really interesting because I was talking, we were, I was talking to a coach in the Midwest. We were going to schedule a spring game and, and he's like, John, I've got 15 healthy players. You know, and I and I kind of feel like the spring, every program kind of just goes into their, they just kind of go into their like place, and you tinker and you play and you hang out, but then you get your plane ready to fly for the fall, and everyone's got a good plane to fly, um, and then in the spring, everyone's it's almost like a you know you're tweaking it again. So like, yeah, Minnesota might be in a good place right now, and Wisconsin might not be, but they're both going to be a good place in the fall. So. It's, it's just kind of different and it's hard to, I can guarantee you what the Gophers are going through is, is similar to what we're doing, but also very different. So um, I think it's, I think it's kind of cool that you're exploring it because it's a, it's a really unique time. Mm -hmm. And, and Maya, one, one dynamic at play, and I'm not even sure how, how common it is on, on the men's side, but one sort of low lying storyline in the spring season is always whether there's any early enrollees. So, you know, freshmen who are starting next fall, but come in early when, you know, when I actually, when I, I think first started covering the Gophers, you know, that first spring, Kenna Beisman was an early enrollee and now she's, that's why it feels like she's been here for a decade because now she's into her fifth year and, you know, the, the veteran on the block. But I know this spring, um, Amelia Brown, who's the younger sister of Izzy Brown, we're deep in the sister era of Gopher soccer right now, the Harper sisters and the Brown sisters. Um, Amelia Brown, I know, is here early. And last spring, Lauren Donovan was here early, but couldn't play in games because she was an early enrollee. And so, um, Talk about, you know, how that decision comes about, whether I know a lot of it is utilitarian of do we have the scholarship money? Do we have the housing? All of those things. Does the player, is the player ready to leave? All, all of those pieces. But on the soccer side, you know, talk about what it means for a player to just have some more reps with the team, get comfortable on campus, live in a different state, like, you know, settle in. Um, so talk about Amelia, but also just generally what that spring early enrollment might look like for a player. Yeah, uh, I mean, specifically talking about Amelia, it's been great. I think uh, I think the dynamic between her and Izzy is fun, fun to watch <laughs> on a daily basis, just them adjusting to one another, having never played together, um, and obviously now being on the same team and, and it being a different uh, setting for them. Um, but I, I think she's been great as far as integrating with the group and um, just getting adjusted and, and think personality-wise, she doesn't really get rattled by much, so... Um, I think the adjustment for her has been fairly straightforward. And at the end of the day, she does have her big sister there. So I think that that helps some. Um, but generally speaking, as far as the early enrollees, honestly, um, I, I think there's great benefit to it, but it needs to be player led. Um, we would never want it to be something where we're mandating and not, not that we ever would. Um, and I know some programs might do that, but that's not, I, I think then you're not creating such an, maybe an authentic relationship right off the bat. Uh, if you're, if you're mandating your players, uh, leaving, leaving high school early. Um, and for, and it just depends on the player. There's some players that get the itch and they want to be there as quickly as possible. And they see the value in being there early and getting integrated, and getting integrated classes on campus or not. Um, but in the same breath, you have some players that really value their high school experience, especially nowadays when a lot of them missed out on a full year of actual high school um, when they were all staring at a computer for a year. <laughs> they value that experience more, and just especially as they get, they get 
more veteran, I guess, in their in their uh, high school career. Um, again, the, the little things like junior and senior prom or, or homecoming, or they obviously we were all there once um, and, and they cherish those things. So it's certainly player led. And I think it, it needs to, for us, it, it will remain that way. Um, but again, we, we certainly value it. We think it's on the player and the personality of the player. Um, it can certainly help them um, to get integrated with the group um, and, and both from a social aspect and from the soccer aspect. Um, and I, I will say we are fortunate in that the way that our preseason ends up in the fall, they get a, about a full month of being on campus before school actually starts. Um, so I think that adds to our, like a positive thing to our situation. Whereas that, like I know the school that I went to, um, to play college soccer at, we didn't, we weren't fortunate in that. And a lot of schools are not fortunate in that, in that a lot, they're freshmen. If they, if they haven't come early over the summer or if they didn't come in the spring, um, then they're looking at literally two weeks on campus and then they are starting classes. Um, And as you can imagine, that can certainly be a whirlwind. So I do think we're fortunate in the way that it just naturally plays out for us that we, we don't start school until after Labor Day. Um, so it just gives kind of an extra chunk of time for them to get adjusted to things. Um, but in general, yeah, I, I, I definitely speak highly of, of players that choose to enroll early um, and how you see that kind of maturation and, and getting integrated with the group, both, again, from a social and a soccer aspect. Well, and one dynamic at play that if folks are only used to Minnesota high school soccer, they may not think about is different states have different seasons for high school soccer, too. And so you get used to thinking because college soccer is also in the fall and in Minnesota, high school soccer is in the fall. In a lot of other states, a player might actually be playing their senior season in the spring. And so I only mention that because I know the more and more I talk to coaches from other states, the more and more they tease Minnesota for having fall high school soccer because it's like it's kooky compared to even some of our neighboring states. And so it's, it's a dynamic I think you as college coaches have to deal with that maybe we Minnesotans who just live our Minnesota lives uh, don't track as much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I will say I grew up in a state where college soccer was in the fall. I'm sorry, uh, high school soccer was in the fall as well. So when okay. it's spring, it's it's a little tricky for me to navigate. I'm not used to it. Um, but I, I certainly hear you as far as it's obviously not always the case. And especially when you look at some high schools out west, um, I know they play, they typically play in the in spring. So I, I definitely, I get it for sure. I grew up in a state where boys soccer was in the fall and girls was in the spring so it was one of each actually in, in illinois i don't know i don't know if that's still the case but when i was in high school that was the case so just it always depends um john you had touched on scheduling for the spring and i kind of want to elaborate on that obviously it's it's a less little less structured than, than in the fall right but how wild wild west is it trying to schedule a spring season is it just trying to call people and trying to arrange dates yeah. do you get assistance uh, how does that work I think it's it's probably a little bit different for everyone. You kind of have your, you kind of got your social circle of coaches that you run with and you're just, you know, you're looking for a game. And then obviously the geography of it, you know, is a huge part of it. We can't, I wish we could go to like Southern California and play, but but we're going to go to Omaha. Um, yeah. You know, so again, it just, it, everyone's kind of looking around. It's, it's just kind of a moving target for everyone. And and then you, and then you know, everyone's like, "Well, can we play at your place?" I mean, some some of the Power Five schools and and like Minnesota and others, there's probably very very little of a facility issue, um, but we have to be very calculated with the days and the times because 
I mean, we're sharing a facility with a sport that's in season right now. So uh, home games, away games, no missed class time. It's it's a moving target, but it's 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 pretty easily done with good camaraderie as a uh, as a as a college coach. It looks like based off your schedule, you're sort of taking on new, new challenges, as you mentioned, sort of uh, the way that D1 schools get the opportunity to play those USL or those uh, MLS2 type teams that you may not have gotten the opportunity to play when you were Division Three. But you also had those relationships in Division Three. You were playing teams like Minneapolis City and, and other mm-hmm. sort of uh, more local lower league teams. Um, how do you sort of, within this transition, kind of strike that balance of taking on those new challenges, but also maybe continuing to nurture those relationships that, that you previously had. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's a good question. I, I, I really see that us as an important part of the soccer culture in Minnesota, the soccer landscape. And, you know, you look at what's going on with, you know, the state has everything now. I mean, I remember when the Gophers started, I'm from Minnesota. I remember when Gopher women's soccer started, I was like, this is amazing. Um, I remember when St. Thomas announced men's soccer on the, you know, it's, this is great. And, and the, you know, USL, Minnesota United, what's going on with the Monarchs. I mean, everything is just, there's so many things happening. I feel like, I feel like our program being a division, the first and only division one men's soccer program. And they like, I feel like it wasn't even a big deal to people. Cause there's like so many other things going on. They're like, Oh yeah, give, give me a scarf for that. There's also something else going on down the street, you know? Um, <laughs> but it's a big deal, you know, and, and we're, we don't forget to celebrate that. Um, so I kind of forget what your original question was, but that's, that's where we're at. That's all right. Good enough. Good enough for me, Matt. I'll let you take the next one. Yeah. Maya, you know, you all, you all have some programs that are probably on the schedule who are probably fairly familiar. Folks have followed the Gophers for a long time. Iowa state obviously isn't in conference, but they're nearby. They're regularly on the slate, you know, going down to Kansas another big 12 program, you know, Creighton where, you know, Ainsley Atkinson stars down there. So Minnesotans are probably, if they're equal time followers, they've seen us interview her. Um, And then of course, St. Thomas, the local uh, Derby, which we're of course trying to build and build and build and overhype as much as possible over time. So glad that game is happening in the spring. Um, But talk about, you know, you have a couple of home games where fans actually can go to ELR and that in my time covering the Gophers, I don't think that's, ever been the case i i might be overshooting but i don't remember spring games where it was at elr and fans could go i remember a lot of bubble dome games where maybe i could go but i don't remember elr games except for that that covid season so talk about sort of the decision to make sure that there were a few fan events and even there's that double header day with st thomas and ndsu on the same day so i'm also kind of curious how you'll handle that double header yeah i think that so to answer the first question, um, as, as I obviously I wasn't here. So as I understand it in previous years, um, I think everybody would have loved to be outside. Um, right. But as I understand it, it was typically weather that didn't allow. Um, so fingers crossed that we are we are able to play um, right. outside. Obviously, that was part of the reason for scheduling games a little bit later. But we also mm-hmm. we live in Minnesota, so you never know how the weather wants to be. <laughs> um so as, as far as us obviously hoping for the best, uh, we'll, we'll see what actually what actually pans out in our favor. Um, 
so yeah, so I, I would I would assume again in previous years that they would have loved to be playing outside. So fortunate yeah. enough to obviously again be playing a little bit later to have those games on the slate to be outside. Um, mm-hmm. and again, hopefully hopefully they go according to plan. Um, but yeah, I, I think that in general um, we have a great soccer environment in this in this community, um, and so the even if it is for a few spring games um, that don't necessarily count towards anything, um, making sure that we're, we're creating that environment as much as we can. And, and again, getting fans out and getting them integrated within our community and hopefully adopting new fans along the way, um, especially with broadcasts such as this. Um, yeah, that's the ultimate goal. Um, and so, yeah, especially with it being free and all that good stuff. Yeah. Hopefully we do get some fans um, out at, out at ELR. Um, and then to answer the second question, um, yeah, I think that it was. It's probably just a little bit of a scheduling thing. Of we at the end of the day, like we wanted, you get five game dates. Um, okay. So technically, you could play. We could play. It's not necessarily five games. It's five game dates. So you can play more than that. Um, as far as the amount of games that you, you want, but I think for us being that we were again trying to stay in April, if we just stayed in April with it, then that meant that we were only getting four games. Um, so got a little bit creative, obviously, with a little some, some local teams and obviously having conversations and what works with people's schedules and all that good stuff. That, that's kind of how that, that kind of came up. But, um, yeah, it'll be a little bit of a little bit of we're still in the formatting stages of it, of how we want to do it. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out there. They're, uh, we're trying to make sure that everybody gets what they need out of the day and, and obviously want to make it worthwhile for NDSU. Also, also commuting to us. Um, yeah. Yeah, two two quick fun notes. Uh, NDSU usually has more Minnesotans than the University of Minnesota, so a lot of happy families in the in the Twin Cities suburbs, I think, probably for that game. And then the second one, and I don't know if you had any any role in this as a former NWSL pro, Maya, but both of your road games actually fall, and you're both within driving distance of Kansas City, and there are Kansas City current games in the Challenge Cup on the same dates that the Gophers play. So you're really trying to entice Minnesota fans to do those road trips because I I may attempt both of those trips now because of that funny coincidence. So fans, get your get your calendars out and book those travel dates, April 2nd and April 24th. Yeah, I can't definitely can't take credit for the dates, and especially because – NWSL doesn't always release things in a timely manner. So definitely, definitely can't say that that was anything up our sleeves. Um, but yeah, pretty cool the way that that worked out. John and Maya, I have one final question that maybe both of you could answer. Um, so John, if you want to go first, um, I guess complete the sentence. That's my final question. Um, I, you want, I want to have a better idea of blank after this spring season is over. What's one sort of factor or one thing you're looking at that you might want to have more clarity on after the spring than you did going in. Yeah, I'll great. I'll tell you what I tell the guys. I want to. I want to know who's going to step up. And it's a really vague, cookie cutter. It's a, that's coaching one hundred and one, right? Who's going to step up today? Um, yeah. <laughs> when my wife says, "What'd you do at work today?" That's what I did. Um, <laughs> but, but, in all, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, just want to see who are the next guys that are going to come in not only elevate their game to a level that's going to be successful here, but just, you know, we're, we're a player led team. I really like what Maya said about just player led, you know, everything. And um, you know, when we have self-motivated, confident, hardworking young men that really care about each other and know each other uh, a lot can happen. 
And and that this is to answer your question, though that's what I'm looking for this spring. I want to know, I want to know who's the next group of guys that are going to be ready to go through the door because year two of division one is not gonna be a lot easier. So I, I want to know who's got the substance to do this. That's what we're looking for. Maya. Yeah, um, I think I could go a bunch of different directions with it. I think for us, though, um, and kind of some of the positives that came out of our season and, and some of the things that we need to grow in, I think one of the things that we'd certainly say to, to finish off your sentence is the, the relationships piece and not just um, not just off the field, but on the field. Um, I think we have some great individual brilliance, um, but I think – if they could get on the same page, not, not that they're not, but consistently, I think would be our, one of our overall goals um, and something that we have certainly been working on um, and working towards as a group right now. Um, and just, again, you're, you're better in numbers, right? Like if, if you, when you have one really good player, that's great. And if that player's on, that's great. <laughs> but relying on one player, um, we play a team sport. So relying on one player does, does not always get you the success that you're looking for. Um, and so, the more that we can kind of get on the same page, build those relationships and kind of get outside of our comfort zones a little bit and, and be willing to communicate and make mistakes. Um, I think that we'll actually learn a lot more from one another um, and they're already moving in that, that direction. So it's been pretty fun to watch this spring. Maya, I think if you ask any American soccer coach at any level in February, hey, is your team completely on the same page and, and gelling 100%? They'll probably say no. Uh, it's just the nature of the early part of the early part of the schedule and the early part of the spring. But um, obviously, spring is a, is a time to sort of develop that cohesiveness and continuity. So um, I definitely understand that. Uh, Maya Hayes, assistant coach at the University of Minnesota. John Lowry, head coach at the University of St. Thomas. Thank you both so much. Uh, this is a fun conversation. And I'm sure we'll be talking to both of you again soon. Absolutely. Thank Thanks for having us. Good to see you, Maya. Good to see you, too. And Matt, can't forget about you, Matt. Thank you. You, you can. You can You can skip me, Jeremy. You can always skip me. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Never. Can I, go, Never can I go put my kids to bed now? Yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Go for it. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you, guys. Thank, thank you, Maya. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.